here today because I strongly believe the idea of getting bossed up with your creative endeavor means figuring out a little question of how to get yo money doing this. Emily Aries never minces words. She's the co-host of the podcast Stuff Mom Never Told You and founder of Bossed Up. It's an organization that gives women the tools they need to develop their careers. I'm Sarah Gonzalez, and this is Work It, the podcast. We're bringing you a selection of talks and discussions from the Work It Festival for Women in Audio. Here, Emily makes the case for the monetizable podcast, including specific ways to sell your show to potential sponsors. Hello. How's everybody feeling? I'm Emily Aries. I am one half of the How Stuff Works podcast, Stuff Mom Never Told You. Do we have any listeners here? Yeah? Bridget and I actually just came from recording an episode, always on the go. Um, but it is such an honor to be here at the, our inaugural Work It Festival after stepping up to continue the conversation that is Stuff Mom Never Told You after, after Caroline and Kristen, the beloved creators and former co-hosts, have moved on to do their own thing. Now, I have to admit, I feel like this is a pretty cushy job for me right now, right? Being able to work with some of the best in the business, Bridget Todd, my dream co-host, who is an absolute delight, uh, is just an absolute amazing opportunity to work with a network like How Stuff Works. However, I have done the hard work that is creative entrepreneurship through the founding and running of my own company called Bossed Up. And about five years ago, after I was basically doing all the adulting things that we're told to do, right? I found myself in a pr getting a steady paycheck for the first time in my life, uh, having just survived a really toxic relationship and a really challenging career transition that left me in debt, that left me feeling like I wasn't sure if I could be as fierce as I wanted to be in this world. I found myself for the first time achieving regularity, achieving stability, and who am I to dare to ask for more? During that time, I was actually working in political technology, political ad technology. So I was selling ads online through Facebook and other social media platforms to help win campaigns. Learned a lot about CPMs in my time there, which we're gonna talk through more today. And I found myself feeling a little burnt out a little unfulfilled. And I think a lot of us are in this room today because we want to dare to pursue creative ventures. We want to create something original, right? We want to add an impact and add our voice to a conversation to help change the world in some way or another. And I was fascinated at the time with how not unique my own story of burnout was. And that's why I started Bossed Up five years ago almost today, so four and a half years ago, uh, to help other women break the cycle of burnout in our careers and pursue the sustainable career paths that also leave us feeling fulfilled. And frankly, I didn't have the option to not find a way to make money doing that. But I also found myself at a little bit of an impasse when one of my colleagues at the time, who thought he was being helpful, maybe you have one of these colleagues in your life, mine was named Josh. Josh came up to me one day and said, Emily, you started this thing called Bossed Up, a company to help women navigate career transition. You're a political ad technologist. 
you're a political strategist. What makes you feel qualified to do what you're doing? And I was like, damn, Josh! <laughs> I'm glad you put to words what so many of my loved ones are thinking but wouldn't ever dare to say to my face. And it caused me a moment of pause of saying, I don't know how to do what I'm trying to do, but I'm not going to let that stop me from figuring it out. Yeah, five years later, I feel like I know what I'm doing a little bit more, but had I not dared to venture into that world and pursue what was a side hustle for two years there and refine it and improve it and learn and grow and get better and better, then I wouldn't be here today and I sure as hell wouldn't have received a call from How Stuff Works saying, would you like to take the mic and create this continued conversation around the issues that face women today. So I'm here today because I strongly believe the idea of getting bossed up with your creative endeavor means figuring out a little question of how to get yo money doing this. I know we're all creatives, so we're all doing this for the purest of intentions, obviously. We're here because we have something to share with the world. We're here because we want to make our voice heard and we want to have an impact and push a message which is worthwhile as an endeavor. But it is also worthwhile to figure out how do I as an individual make this endeavor sustainable for myself too, right? Because if I want to be in this for the long haul, if I want to continue to have the impact I want to have, I have to figure out a way to at least give myself the best effort that I would give someone else, right? That I would give to a cause or a campaign or a nonprofit that I believe in and find a way to not just do the work, but preferably get paid to do the work. Now, there's a few different ways that the world of podcasting can yield some big bucks, right? There, I don't want to oversell that, though because this is a challenging road. Starting a new venture, I bootstrapped Bossed Up. We never got any financial investment of any kind. And for me, that meant my very meager savings that I poured into it. But I'm also extremely proud to stand here today saying we've doubled our profits year over year. We've figured out that talking about your own personal worth and the worth of the work that you are putting out into the world does, in fact, often have a financial value too. And isn't that worth figuring out? Isn't it worth your own time and effort to give yourself the opportunity to make what you're doing sustainable too? Now, I have a huge privilege here because I've been able to do the work that is podcasting through a network like How Stuff Works. And that's one way to make this happen in a sustainable way. I do not take that privilege for granted, let me tell you. As someone who's got bossed up, still running, and has to hustle for every dollar, I know what it's like to be a creative entrepreneur. Joining a network like How Stuff Works, which by the way is expanding because we just got a huge round of investment, and we can talk afterwards about pitching a network like How Stuff Works. That's one way to get your money doing podcasting. Another way to do this is through an agency like Midroll. Right? That is all about connecting talented creatives like you with the advertisers who want to partner with you. That's another totally viable option. The option I want to talk about today, which is a little messier, a little harder, but worthy of your attention and effort just as much as it is worth your time to figure out how to tell the best story and how to be the most creative, artistic, impactful maker that we all are, is doing it yourself, going the sort of freelance route, going that hustle route. And we're gonna break down 
everything I've learned from being in political ad tech where I was selling my clients on hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars of ads, to being as a part of a network, facilitating partnerships between our sales team and our sponsors. And most recently, I actually was on the consumer side of podcast advertising when I, through Bossed Up, my DC-based training company, bought advertisements on DC Diary, which is an awesome independent podcast all about life in Washington, DC. So I've sort of seen this process from every angle, and I'm here to get nitty, gritty, and practical with y'all. Are you ready for some tactical, practical, breaking things down, making some money? Okay. I know. How dare I say money, right? It's like a dirty word in the creative world. No, I'm just kidding. We are all creatives here already. My goal today, in very little time that we have left here today, because I know we got places to be tonight, is to talk about how we can all become more of a creative entrepreneur. Sound good? So what we're going to do today is talk a little bit about inbound versus outbound marketing and why you've got to think about both. Talk about developing a rate card, what that actually looks like, what the hell a rate card is, and how it doesn't have to be overproduced or fancy or anything. Good enough is great. And finally, signing deals, getting paid. Now, this is something I do through my company, Bossed Up, more so than the podcast, but I've seen it uh, at all those different angles that I mentioned earlier, so I'm excited to dive into this. Have we heard this before, inbound versus outbound marketing? Yeah? Are we snapping in this room today? I, wasn't, I, I think I missed the memo on snaps. Feel free to snap along if you feel me, if you dig me, if you get what I'm saying. Um, so the idea is, how are you making it easy for advertisers to find you and give you their budget? Are you making it easy to capture leads in the form of, I'm a fan of your show and I have a small business. If you gave me an ask on your website, maybe I would spend some of my marketing money on, on an ad just like I did with DC Diary. That's about making it as easy as possible for advertisers to find you and for you to capture their information so you can follow up with them. We're going to talk about an example in a second. Outbound, I like to think about as shaking that money tree. That's you pounding the pavement virtually, hopefully. Right? That is you getting out there talking to advertisers, talking to the brands that you love, the companies, big or small, that you are already a fan of and making them aware of the opportunity that is advertising on your podcast. So think about what you're currently doing, whatever stage you're at with your creative endeavor of podcasting, how is inbound and how is outbound marketing showing up or not, and how might you start to think about those things. An example of in inbound marketing, I really like this very simple example from a startup based in DC that I'm a big fan of. Have you heard of Girls' Night In? Alicia is the founder, she's in DC, she's an amazing woman who in just a short period of, I think three months or so, grew an online list based on a weekly email that she was sending out. And this is not even a podcast, y'all, but I want you to learn from how simple this example is. This is the Google form that she links to at the very bottom of her website. This is a screenshot from the very bottom of Girls Night In's website. That little link, Advertise With Us, which frankly I would argue to make a lot bigger and put in a place that's a little more prominent than the very bottom of your website. You click on that, 
and you should go check this out in real time because it's totally functional. It takes you to a very simple Google form. That Google form says, here's how many people we reach. Here's the demographic information that I know about who we reach. If you would like an ad, a text ad, she's selling text ads, y'all. It's like it's 1995 all over again, the ways that advertising is changing and how advertisers are looking for more dynamic kinds of ads. And she can allow you to book your own space advertising in a very small portion of a very awesome email that she sends out once a week. She told me by keeping it this simple, by making it this user-friendly, she sold out all of her inventory for the first month once she started promoting this in, in the email itself. Your fans could be your customers just from an advertising sense. We're not even talking about converting them to products and services, which is also something I could geek out with you all about for another 30 minutes. Think about where on my website, where on my social media, where on my speeches that I'm giving at get-togethers, or where am I promoting the fact that fans can interact with your podcast by, yes, subscribing, and yes, sharing, but also supporting your podcast through paid sponsorship. That's just one example, and I love it because it's so damn simple, but it does the job. Did this take four months of crowdsourcing and focus group testing to make that happen? No. And it works. And it works for her, and it gets money in the door that she can use to develop this and improve it. Don't let perfect be the enemy of the good. My website at bossedup.com looks pretty snazzy right now. The first iteration, embarrassingly bad. And that's okay, because it got me started. Outbound. Here's a sample email from Entrepreneur on Fire. <laughs> Anyone heard Entrepreneur on Fire? Yeah. It's like the most hardcore, super masculine podcast on the internet. It's like the antithesis of work it and stuff mom never told you for that matter. And quite frankly, this is why we need more women in the podcast space. Not that there's anything wrong with entrepreneurs on fire, but learn from what the white boys are doing that makes money, okay? Can we all say that? Like, it's okay to see what is making the like, systemic people who are in power making money, what's working for them. Let's make it work for us too um, while we change the game, you know? Can we do that? I like to say we play the cards we've been dealt while we change the game, and here's one, we, one way we can learn and grow together. This is a sample email that makes a very clear, quick pitch. Here's who I am. Here's what I'm about. I'd like to present you with an opportunity, a potential partnership. Here's why I care about your brand. Here's why I think my fans would care too. For every 100 emails that you send out like this, you'll be fortunate to get like one piece of business out of it. We know this, right? It's a numbers game. But pounding the pavement and making real-world connections and following up with them in this way with brands and businesses you already love, this is the kind of outbound marketing example that can take place. A simple email can land you a partnership. Make sense? Think about who you already love to talk about. Your favorite local business, your gym membership, your favorite travel luggage brand, whatever it might be. Think about what brands you already love to promote. And on top of that, think about what brands you are already hearing on everyone else's podcast. Stamps.com, anybody, right? Do we want a Casper mattress anytime soon? Brands that are already paying for podcast sponsorship are much more likely to be interested in yours. So making a pitch like this to low-hanging fruit 
is about thinking about what relationships you can already leverage, including your own fans and listeners, and what relationships do you know you have the potential to develop because you've heard them on other people's podcasts. There's nothing wrong with that. So once you talk to folks, once you've got them interested, let's say you've captured them through a form, an inbound marketing form on your website, you've got their number, you've got their email, you know that they give a damn in some form or fashion, or once you've gotten a response from an outbound email like that, or you've met someone at a festival like this one that you think might be interested in sponsoring your podcast, you've got to make it very clear to advertisers what is the ROI. What is the return on investment that I'm getting here? Now, this is where we all get really sheepish, and we all say, okay, well, if I don't have two million monthly downloads, like, who gives a shit about my podcast? And that is a voice in our head that can be louder than the voice that says, go for it anyway. Because DC Diary came to me and said, I focus explicitly on DC young professionals. My company is explicitly focused on DC-based young professionals for our upcoming Bossed Up boot camps in DC. I'm intrigued not by the mass of her audience, but by the specificity of her audience. So that is part of the ROI. And your rate card is a really clear way that you can make the persuasive case to a prospective sponsor. Because just because they've expressed interest doesn't mean it's a done deal, right? Always be closing is the most cliche thing, and I promised myself I wasn't going to say it up here, but remember that you're establishing hopefully very authentic relationships with brands and companies you already love, but this is a persuasion campaign. This is where it's time to put on your political hat and say, my candidate is me and our podcast and our listeners, and I need to always be persuading until this is a done deal. Your rate card is the leave-behind material that can persuade for you. It communicates your value to the advertiser. Who do you reach and what are your costs? That's really what your rate card should cover. And let's talk about that last part a little bit because it's one thing to know how many downloads you have or how many kinds of people are listening, where they're listening, all the demographics we can get. <laughs> Out come the smartphones, yes. Take a photo of the slide. It's another thing to do the mathematical calculation of what you are worth. Let me first start by saying there's no magic number. There really isn't. This is you set your terms based on the value that you bring to that advertiser. DC Diary didn't calculate their CPM for me, which we're going to break down in a second. They told me what audience they're reaching, who they're reaching, those demographics, and that was most compelling to me as a potential advertiser who became an actual advertiser. So here's the deal. You can go with the flat rate option. You can say it's $100 per uh, episode. Here's what you're going to get. We've talked about sort of pre-roll and mid-roll. Have, have we covered any of that earlier today? Okay. So you can put a 15-second ad at the beginning of your episode. You can put a 30-second ad in the middle of your episode, and you can even advertise at the end of your episode, although from my perspective, I don't listen to that last ad on your podcast. I, I hope that's not like an unpopular taboo thing to say, but think about it from a listener perspective. When are you actually listening carefully to the ads that are happening? The beginning is the pre-roll, the middle is the mid-roll. You can sell both of those ads for one fixed price per episode, and you can name your rates. And honestly, 
when you're just getting started, if your number of downloads is not where you want it to be or where you're ready to share, that might be the best option for you. Here's the flat rate for the episode. Here's what we can deliver on. You can even sweeten the deal by putting in other sort of non-podcast uh, advertisement opportunities like sponsorships on your social media and emails if you have an email list. Those are a little bit easier to measure sometimes and a little less variable when you're just getting started. Think about what your advertiser's interested in, and if you don't know, ask. How else can we be of value to you? That kind of an open-ended question can leave you learning a whole lot more about how to do this better as you go. The more common sort of industry standards, and that's a hard thing to say in an industry that's changing as fast as ours, or that's sort of maturing, like podcasting as an advertising vehicle is right now, but the more common sort of industry standard is to look at this from a CPM, cost per thousand impressions. CPMs are what we used to use on display ads. You know, when you're like clicking around uh, Zappos and then all of a sudden every website you go to, you're being followed by that cute pair of boots that you wanted to pick up and they just keep coming with you. Those are display ads. Those are actually retargeting, right, and remarketing ads cookie-based ads, whatever. Like, we're making up these terms every other year to sell advertisers and some fancy new shiny ad product. You, as a podcaster, are already a little sexy because podcasting ads are having a moment right now. So the idea is how many thousands of people are going to hear my podcasting ad if I buy an ad in your podcast. When you think about one download of your website being equivalent to one impression or one person loading a web page and seeing that boot ad from Zappos, that is how you calculate your CPM, right? So if I have a thousand people who are downloading an episode, like per episode, I'm getting about a thousand downloads, which by the way is kind of a lot, right? When you're just getting started, that costs on average $18 for a 15 second pre-roll ad and 60 second ads go for about $25. That's like the industry standard. Now that doesn't seem like a lot, does it? But it does add up as your audience grows. If that number doesn't work for you, you can set your own rates on the flat rate option and that's okay too. You've just gotta make the case to me, a prospective advertiser, as to why your audience is worth it, okay? Now, mid-roll offers a really handy calculator to help you calculate your CPM. So if the mathematics of that are eluding you right now, head to mid-roll for their very handy CPM calculator and more details on that. But just know that these are the standard rates, but know your unique value proposition. If you have an, a podcast that specifically speaks to what is a niche do we have on display here? Shout it out. Desert Lady Diaries. Desert Lady Diaries. Okay, who is your audience like that you're specifically appealing to with Desert Lady Diaries? People who live in the desert. People, people who might want to move to the desert. Awesome. People who live or might want to move to the desert. What kind of advertisers are interested in people who live in or might want to move to the desert? Water peeps. Solar energy peeps. Camping peeps. What did you say? Subaru, hell yeah, they're sponsoring all kinds of random influencers these days, I love it. I do love Subaru if anyone wants to put me in touch. Um, what other audiences do we have? What kind of a niche audience is your podcast catering to? 
Moms, hell yeah. Oh, let's talk about moms. Because we're confused for a mom podcast often because we have the word mom in our title, which is not really helping with the confusion there. But moms, hello. Say you have a focus on moms as listeners. Who wants to advertise to moms? Everybody. Great answer. Basically everybody. So the more specific you can get, the better. But frankly... Know your audience and determine who's your outbound target list. Like, who's on your outbound target list based on your niche? Because it might not matter to them that you only reach a thousand moms a month, because they might be looking for moms in that particular domain. And also, think local, right? Think local, act global. If you're just getting started, I was very intrigued by the hyper locality of the DC Diary podcast. Think about how you can use geography or locality or even more specific. Let's say it's moms who are specifically focused on adoption. Let's say you're just unpacking all the challenges of adopting a child in the United States. The more specific you can get sometimes makes your podcast even more appealing to an advertiser regardless of the, the, the reach. So sometimes depth matters less than, than the micro-targeting, right? People are looking for very loyal and specific audiences. And it doesn't get more loyal than podcasting right now, okay? You are establishing a rapport with your listeners that makes ads in the podcast space of higher value than the, than the retargeting display ad of my boots. Think about that and know that knowing your own worth can be really hard because we can be our own worst critics, right? Who the hell wants to listen to my podcast? Or who wants to pay me money to reach my listeners? It's not about you. Take yourself out of it. This is not a reflection of your worth as a person. This is not a reflection of your value to your audience. No, this is a transaction between the advertiser and your listeners. And you are a broker, okay? This is not a personal reflection of who you are or how worthy your efforts are. So as much as you can take your personal value out of it and, and not let this pricing be based on your self-worth, the better. And we can talk more about that because I like to geek out about negotiation. Things to consider including on your rate card. These are a couple of samples of very graphic rate cards, which I think are really cool because I don't really want to read a bullet point list about how cool your audience is. I'd much rather look at something fancy like a little infographic. This is from Entrepreneur on Fire, and those numbers are big, so, but don't let them scare you. Monthly downloads in the like millions are not an easy thing to obtain. But think about including your monthly downloads or your total downloads to date. That's a fun one, right? If your monthly downloads are not where you want them to be, you can at least give some indication of what your reach has been thus far. Audience demographics, audience interests, past sponsors, and specifically, consider including why podcast ads are especially valuable. The IAB has a report out just a couple months ago now, from just a couple months ago, that can be really handy in making the case for why advertisers are finding podcast ads even better than other ads like billboard ads or all the other places that they could spend their marketing dollars. Just know that knowing your audience is imperative, not just for catering to them creatively, but for making the consumer component of being a creative entrepreneur work. How might you get to know your audience demographics? Survey. Survey, exactly. 
When you are on someone's email list that you love, or you're listening to a podcast that you love, and they say, we're raffling off uh, some awesome Amazon gift card or some prize of some kind, just take this quick survey. It really helps us out as a podcast. This is why they're taking that data, right? And it's, I think being transparent about that with your users is perfectly valid. In fact, it's a way to tell them you're pursuing making this a sustainable endeavor for yourself, and there's no shame in that game. Now, the cycle around thinking about your rate card and where that fits into the broader pitching like a boss, like where that fits into your creative endeavor and your effort, think about first establishing interest via inbound or outbound marketing. Capture leads online through a form of some kind or pound the pavement and shake those money trees. Send them your rate card to continue the conversation and preferably hop on the phone. I'm a big fan of really establishing relationships IRL or in the, on the phone whenever possible. Send over a proposal, if you can, that says, here's what we'll do for you. You've expressed interest in this episode or in this month or this week. Here's the run we're proposing. As a reminder, here's how great our podcast is. As a reminder, here's what our past advertisers have said about how great we are. You know, that proposal, just like your rate card, is part of your persuasion campaign. Until it's a done deal, you're persuading. So the rate card can be a simple infographic. Your proposal is about how your show and your ads can meet their unique needs and wants and desires. Confirm that order with a written formal contract. There are places online, I'm gonna show you where you can go to see examples. Or you can make your own up and have a lawyer look at it just to make sure you're on the right track. And then send, so confirm that, right? You've got signatures on that order. Send the read to the advertiser for approval, right? Maybe you're writing the ad copy, or maybe they are. You come up with a, a read. You say, and here's what Casper mattresses can do for you, right? Or you say, here's why I love my away bag, if that's what is true for you. As it is for me, clearly. And then... <laughs> You might want to send that over to your advertisers. This is a very important best practice to make sure you didn't screw it up. If your advertiser hears it on your podcast later and they're like, whoa, you've completely misrepresented our brand, that is a net loss as opposed to a gain, right? It's probably better to catch that stuff early and rectify it so you can keep that relationship alive and hopefully make it happen again. And then run it, run your ad and report back. Here's what happened. Here's how many downloads actually happened. Whenever possible, thinking about your rate card in particular, you want to over deliver. It's hard to predict how many downloads an episode is gonna get in a, what period of time. So as much as you can, it's important to be authentic and true about what you're promising and then over deliver that whenever possible. So right now we're averaging two million downloads a month, which is insane with stuff mom never told you, but we're not gonna promise two and a half million downloads a month. We're not gonna even probably promise two million a month because we wanna be able to over deliver on what we're selling. Make sense? Most runs will never hit the mark exactly. It's impossible to predict how many of your listeners are downloading exactly when, but it's something to think about. When you report back, guess what? you're still persuading. Because you wanna make sure that customer, that client, that advertiser is happy through the entire life cycle of the pitching cycle, the seal the deal cycle, so that they will book again. Because you are still persuading for your next run. One really important thing that I'm sure is on all of our minds as creatives is understanding the fine line between 
how much capitalism to bring into your creative endeavor, right? The idea here is, and this is something that I admit I am not perfect at, we have taken advertisers in the fairly recent past that you know, we, I wasn't necessarily super enthusiastic about, but thought it would be a good pairing for the show, only to hear from our listeners, what the hell are you advertising that person for? You know, what the hell did you think you were doing? This is so off-brand for you, and I'm upset with you now. And that is a, just a reminder that we can't sell our podcast souls, that whatever money you're taking for ads is inherently intrusive. You are literally getting between your content that your subscriber wants and your subscribers' ears, so better be worth it. And keep a high bar, because your listeners will tell you when you've lowered it, <laughs> quite frankly. And it's not, it's just not, it's something you have to sort of weigh yourself. I can't stay, stand up here and say I'm perfect at this either, but you have to decide to say no to advertisers that just don't sit well with you, which is something we can all do better, I think, continuously. And your listeners will help you with that. If you want more resources on calculating your CPM, head to midroll.com. On podcasting and entrepreneurs, entrepreneurship, I found Entrepreneur on Fire, as like weird as the tone is on that show, to be extremely helpful from a practical business sense. The podcast playbook by IAB.com will help you make the case to advertisers who are thinking about advertising on podcasts for the first time. And I am freakishly into negotiation. So if you want to know everything I know about it, we're currently running a free five-week negotiation challenge over at bossedup.org right now. And you can also listen to our Stuff Mom Never Told You episode called Negotiation No-Nos. That's all about Bridget and I's uh, sort of adventures with negotiation in the past and what we've learned from them. I hope you found this helpful. Keep in touch with me. I'm going to be here all today and tomorrow. I can't quite keep my schedule straight, but Bridget and I are doing a How We Made It tomorrow, all about stuff mom never told you. We're on Twitter and Instagram at momstuffpodcast or stuff mom never told you. I'm Emily Aries, and it has been an absolute delight to be with you for a very quick half hour. I hope that was helpful. That was Emily Aries speaking at the 2017 Work It Festival. Both the festival and the podcast are produced by WNYC Studios and are made possible by a grant from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting with additional support from the Annenberg Foundation. Event sponsors include Cole Haan, Mac Cosmetics, and thirdlove.com. 